0: This is HPR episode 2839, entitled, Sample Episode of the Distro Hoppers Digest podcast. It is hosted by Ken Fallon, and is about 37 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, we bring you the first episode of the new Creative Commons show, the Distro Hoppers Digest. Today's show is licensed under a CC by NCSA license.
1: This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org.
0: Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to Hacker Public Radio. And today we're going to have an episode of a new podcast called the Distro Hoppers Digest. It's a new podcast. It's released under a Creative Commons CC by NC non-commercial 4.0 license. And it's done by Moss and Tony, who's done many shows here on HPR, and Moss from the Linux Mint podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of their podcast. More information, including links and how to subscribe, will be in the show
1: notes for this episode.
0: Distro Hopping, the idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest, Episode 1, recorded on April 24th, 2019. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee.
2: Hi, and my name's Tony, and I live in the northwest of the UK.
0: Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest. We love checking distros out, new distros, new versions of older distros and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you.
2: So the idea of this podcast is that we'll each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even, even as our daily driver. We record all our trials and tribulations, fixes, what we like and what we didn't.
0: I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. For our first show, we decided on Linux Mint Debian Edition 3, Cindy, LMDE3, what Linux Mint might look like if there were no Ubuntu, and a completely self-spun distro, Solus OS 4, Fortitude. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gen 2-based distros. On to this month's distro. First distro, Linux Mint Debian Edition 3. Talk to me, Tony.
2: Okay, well, the first thing I did with the uh, uh, for this uh, as we're distro hopping, uh, uh, my initial installation was done on a dual boot with um, a main Mint nineteen point one Mate installation on a Dell E seven two five O Ultrabook. Uh, I've got sixteen gig of RAM in this Ultrabook, so it's quite a decent little machine. This created the first issue that I had as the installer required the SSD to be uh, manually partitioned to allow the dual boot despite only one other OS being currently installed. Unlike Mint where it automatically detects the other installation and gives an automatic option to format the drive uh, for a dual boot. So this resulted in me accidentally bulking the drive and having to reinstall both Mint 19.1 before I could do the install of um, Mint uh, Debian Edition. So uh, that was a little bit of a faux pas. So since the install, if this had been my daily driver, I'd uh, lost all my data and I wouldn't have been best pleased at all. because, uh, but as I'd not long set up the PC, I bu- uh, as I bought it up a few weeks ago, it was uh, it wasn't a major disaster. So once the SSD had been partitioned into two main partitions for Mint nineteen point one and Lmde three, the installer is fairly intuitive for an experienced Linux user who's had lots of experience and understands what the root partition is, etc., and where to put the bo- uh, grub bootloader. Uh, to make uh, multiple installs um, bootable. But and during the install, you set up location, keyboard, layout, etc., username and password, and then the install continues. On this hardware, the actual install once commenced went quickly, less than 15 minutes, despite me not having uh, a large bandwidth for Wi-Fi available in the venue that I actually did it in. I wasn't at home at the time. On Reboot, I was presented with the Grunt Bootloader, which gave me a first choice of LMDE and 19.1 being the second choice. So going on to uh, post-installation facts and issues. Uh, On the first install, the first thing I noticed was the hardware, uh, like the trackpad on the laptop, Whilst working at a basic level as a mouse to point the cursor and scroll pages, double click, clicking on the pad did not work uh, as the left mouse pad key, which when you're using, have, uh, you're used to having this facility. It's a bit frustrating. These di- uh, issues weren't present in Mint 19.1, so it wasn't, uh, you know, an uh, issue with the hardware. It was actually a software issue. So, Mint 19.1 Mate, which is the other uh, installed OS, so LMDE had not detected all the hardware during install for some reason. However, on reinstall, the hardware worked perfectly second time round. I still don't know why it did that. I subsequently installed LMDE on my uh, Toshiba Z30 as it's a slightly larger screen and is lighter to use and carry around. And while testing the distro on other hard uh, on other hardware, the majority of the tests conducted are on the Z30 laptop.
0: Okay, Tony, did you uh, check and see if uh, under mouse and, and uh, trackpad that everything was set right?
2: Yeah, there wasn't even an option to uh, set the trackpad. Huh. I ended up I ended up having to go into uh, the software center. Uh, I use Synaptic, searched touchpad or trackpad and I realized that some of the um, codecs or bits of um, software that were needed weren't installed so once I installed those the trackpad actually worked Uh, so it was it was a fix but um, that uh, issue was a bit of a problem the other thing I forgot to mention is that on the uh, Dell I couldn't get uh, the SD card reader to work, uh, and that is still an issue. On the Z30, it wasn't an issue. The SD card re- uh, reader worked out of the box, but I've still not found a fix for the SD card reader on um, the Dell, and that's another reason that I transitioned over to the Toshiba for the rest of the test. Okay, so let's get on to ease of use. Uh, The first thing is on first install, you're presented with the Cinnamon desktop environment, which being an old Gnome 2 stick in the mud uh, is not retro enough for me. So I went and found the Mate uh, DTE and the software manager installed it. Uh, I logged out before logging back in and was able to uh, choose Mate in the login screen. Now on login, I was presented with the familiar Mate DTE. For clarity, boot times on the two laptops I installed on were around 25-second mark. And with the Cinnamon desktop environment, uh, almost or about 820 megabyte of uh, RAM is used. But when starting up in the Mate desktop, um, it's around about the 620-650 mark, so about 200 megabytes less. So after installing Mate, I went in search of the software I use regularly. Web browsing is not a problem as Firefox is installed out of the box, as you would expect. And as I have a separate home partition on the particular laptop I was using, it picked up all my Firefox settings on the first start, apart from the home page, which was a simple fix. The next job was to install Audacity and Mumble, as these are essential to the podcast workflow for both this and Mintcast and the HPR shows that I record. The first thing to note is that all the software available at s- is several versions behind, as LMD3 uh, is based on Debian stable. And unless an update is required for security reasons, such as with Firefox, uh, they don't update the software between releases. Audacity is still on 2.1.3, which while it will still do the job, doesn't look as slick or have some of the features of the latest 2.3.1. Not a major issue, but both of these are available as flat packs and snaps, so podcast workflow is assured in LMDE. Offline word processing and office is provided by LibreOffice, which again, a little old, being on the 5.2 branch, Again, it does the job, and no prob- so no problem there. One big issue with LMDE is that Debian does not support the addition of PPAs, or may have never have for all I know. You can add .deb repositories both in Synaptic and via the command line, where they are available for the software that you're wishing to install. And other software may be available as flat packs or Snaps. This is an example for adding VirtualBox 6, and you can uh, see that in the uh, show notes. Uh, I will add that w- even though I'd managed to install VirtualBox 6, there was an issue with the kernel drivers, and it took me a little while. I'm not sure if I eventually ever got it working. I have got it working on another distro, but not with uh, LMDE. So that's uh, an issue with VirtualBox itself, but uh, it does show that you can get additional software that's not available in the normal repos on your machine in LMDE, but you may have to go searching for the DEBs and the code to actually install those drivers, uh, those um, software repositories. So apart from uh, adding those, I was also able to install a working version of one of my uh, most used tools, which is Get iPlayer, after installing uh, installing SnapD and picking up the Snap package for this CLI CLI utility, which really made my day because it can be a bit of a pain to install uh, Get iPlayer. And the Snap for it makes it a really easy install. So with the use of SNAPs, flat packs, and being able to add DEB repositories, then it does tend to mitigate some of the problems of not being able to add straight PPAs, uh, but may not resolve all issues if these aren't uh, aren't available. Another thing myself and most users will need at some time is to print documents. This was not a problem with LMDE. It picked up my printer at the moment it was connected and turned on, so it's not an issue. However, I should point out my printer is several years old and cups may have problems in finding drivers for newer printers, particularly those with flatbed scanners or copiers integrated into them. So, memory use. Both Cinnamon and Mate are not the lightest uh, DTEs around. Uh, But considering I was using equipment with 16 gig of RAM, neither was a major issue. If you have 4 gig or less, I would suggest Mate or another another lower resource hungry DTE to conserve a little RAM. Uh, As I said, uh, at startup, Cinnamon takes up 820 meg, so this could be an issue on lower resource uh, boxes. Ease of finding help. Mm. With a bit of googling and with the use of man pages, I was able to get some uh, some help with the uh, couple of issues that I had. And as usual, the man pages can be a very useful tool. Mint has a great set of community forums for asking about all things Linux Mint, and the community rules are quite explicit about not being rude to newcomers. While I didn't have uh, to use them on this occasion, it's good news to know they're there if they're needed. How does it play nice with others? Um, As I said earlier, LMDE, unlike the main Linux Mint, does not allow a straightforward dual boot option to install alongside the current OS. Uh, It may have recognized Windows, but my other system was Wint 19.1, so before I could install alongside this, I had to manually create a partition for LMDE to reside in. Not a very new user-friendly Uh, However, once I figured out how to do the custom install all went well and Grub was able to pick up both installs at boot. I might have been better looking for install instructions on the net before I went about it, but I was testing to see how user-friendly the installer was. And on the main Linux Mint, I was able to find uh, this quite intuitive, but not on LMDE.
0: Tony, in my experience, I find that there are some distros uh, that allow you to put on Grub Customizer and fix that later in the Grub. Lmde is not one of those. Debian is not one of those. Uh, uh, Deepin used to have it and doesn't have it anymore. But yeah, you have to check your distro to, if it's got a uh, if you can add the Debian PPA or an RPM PEA PPA that will let you add Grub Customizer, then it'll always help you fix that problem. Grub Customizer is very easy to use. New users might be a little bit itchy about using it, but we're talking dual-boot or multi-boot systems here anyhow, and that will take some training and getting used to it.
2: Yeah, i have not actually installed LMDE as just the whole taking up the whole hard drive. So obviously, I can only uh, speak from the experience of uh, installing it um, on uh, a dual boot system. And like I say, for me, uh, it was reasonable. Even for me, though, I've installed hundreds of Linux distributions over the years, mainly the uh, Debian-based ones like Ubuntu and Mint and that. But um, the installer on the main branches is really user-friendly. I didn't find it user-friendly on LMDE. Uh-huh. at all
0: well what what i tend to do when i know it's not going to have grub customizer available is i install it and then i install something else after that because the last distribution you put on a multi-boot system is the one that will control the grub
2: yeah so moving on if we're looking at stability all i can say is l m d he is rock st- solid uh, during the time I was using it as far as stability i didn 't have any problems, no crashes, no weird things happening during uh, use or anything like that it 's as rock solid as the uh, base which is Debian obviously or debian as uh, I keep getting told to call it
0: debian um, doesn 't do anything on the edge they do uh, they 're stable. Uh, branch which is what LMDE and Linux Mint are based on uh, sticks with what works and they don't yeah, reach out very that, far.
2: That is the case today for those of us who remember the Linux Mint Debian edition or Debian edition back in the day it was based on SID and it was a rolling release based on SID so it could be a bit flaky at times that was why uh, the the Mint uh, developers decided to move over to uh, the stable branch and just update it when the new version of Debian comes out every couple of years or so. So my ratings for LMDE. So ease of installation uh new usually user friendly two out of ten uh it's just uh, too uh, difficult to get your head around the uh, installer if you're a new user experienced linux users i would say seven out of ten because there's still improvements they could make to make it more intuitive even for experienced users hardware issues uh, i've given it an eight out of ten uh I may be a bit generous there because uh, the couple of problems I had, um, I think, should have been uh, working install. Considering that the main um, Linux Mint, both both the issues with the trackpad and the SD card reader, they they worked out the box. Ease of finding help, ten out of ten. Uh, Linux Mint's got a great community out there and there's plenty of advice and help on uh, the internet and uh, if you're used to them, the man pages are fantastic Ease of use, I would say 7 out of 10 Um, and that's just because no uh, distro is perfect particularly when you're, you're starting a new one for the first time and you've got to find your way around it, but generally it's a good distribution, I'm sure Uh, if i was to continue with it it probably push up to to closer to 10. playing nice with others i've given that a 10 uh, 7 out of 10 again and that's more to do with the installer and the fact it's a bit tricky to install and i managed to uh, nuke one of my installs on the dell laptop so i had to totally reinstall stability 10 out of 10 no problems so, some similar distro, uh, distros to check out. You might want to consider Deepin uh, and MX Linux. They're both uh, Debian-based uh, distributions that you might want to have a look at. And of, uh, But obviously, for new users, for ease of install and ease of use, I would recommend Linux Mint main edition uh, and possibly go with uh, the Mate desktop because yeah. I think that's... That's I'm a big one.
0: fan of Mate. yes. Yeah. Uh, MX Linux will have an interesting issue that, uh, a lot of distros use system D. There are fewer and fewer distros that don't use system D in boot up, but MX Linux includes system D, but does not enable it. So you'll have to either decide to run the equivalent of dev one, which is no system D or, uh, uh enable it at boot up. And that's not something a new user should be presented with. But I think if you play with MX Linux a little bit, you'll get to like it as a new user.
2: Yeah, just bear in mind if you're from the UK, uh, don't pick UK for your uh, language install when you when you're putting it on because that's Ukrainian. (laughs) Look for uh, Great Britain, the GB for Great Britain. (laughs) Okay, Moss, over to you for the second distro.
0: All right. Uh, f- as far as my hardware, I run a Lenovo ThinkPad T430 with 8 gigabytes of RAM and a 500 gig hard drive, which I keep partitioned into four partitions, each with its own distro. So I usually keep a distro that I use all the time, a distro I like to use a lot, but is not quite ready for full-time use. And I have a couple more partitions left to play around with things if I change my mind about something. Um, I have an ex- external hard drive where I keep my data and my backups. So for this first episode, I picked Solus OS 4, Fortitude. I had a good deal of experience with Solus from about the 3.0 level, or maybe just before 3.0. Uh, Ike was spending a whole lot of time on the Jupiter shows talking about it, and he's a very personable man and made it sound really easy and got a lot of positive feedback. And so I started using it. I really liked it. But I have my issues, and I'll talk about those in a moment. Installation. I had no issues getting it up and running. Adding additional software is not an issue if it is in the repo or can be added as a snap. Sadly, this did not include my preferred VPN, which is Molvad. I do not get paid by MoVat or anybody else. I am broke. Uh, <laughs> or my preferred Office suite, which is Softmaker Office. And I know I'm in a very small minority of Linux users who like Softmaker. But if you stick with the software it has or can be gotten easily, it's as easy as pie and a beautiful desktop it is running budgie. After installation hardware issues, my printer was not on the list of what was available and could not be set up despite being a Linux-friendly printer and is easily set up on a variety of other systems using either DEB or RPM packages. Solus uses EOPKG EO package. Uh, so you want to check your printer before installing Solus or be prepared to buy one or live without a printer. The list of approved printers is larger than is standard for CUPS, but does not yet include all Linux-friendly printers. There is a way to apply for a printer driver. I was not able to find out how to get a login and password on the system where you go to apply for that. Maybe I just didn't see something. This does happen with me. I have been a longtime Linux user, I've never been an all-in Linux user, and I use Linux as a desktop operating system, as one would use Windows, not as a terminal-driven thing, as most Linux users uh do get to. I'm getting better at it, but uh, it's a slow learning process, not a dive in and do this from the start. So I kind of get a feel. I I think I have a better feel on what works out of the box for new users. Because they're not going to look to how to do the terminal. They're not going to look at the man pages, which I don't believe I've ever read a man page. I may be wrong about that. But let's move on. Ease of use. Application issues again. I can't install Molvad VPN, SoftMaker Office, or my brother printer. It's an mscj 470 dw for reference. The odd thing is that it's easy to install a J460 or a J480, but they use different driver and even have a different ink cartridge. So I just lucked in or did not luck out, however you want to put that, and had the quote, wrong printer, end quote. The Solus repo has the latest version of Audacity 2.3.1. It has Falcon, which is a QT3, and Midori, which is a WebKit, Browsers in the repo, which is a plus for people that are fleeing Chromium and all the problems that Google has installed in Chrome, has Mumble and Discord in the repo. Kodi is in the repo, but it's still at 17.6. The current version as of today is 18.2. If you're into old, simple computer games, they have PySol FC in the repo, but I couldn't find the KDE games that I run, and I didn't find any version of NetHack. I play old games. I am not a gamer by the strict sense of the word. If you are a gamer, Solus is a great distro. They have the easiest access to all the Steam games and Proton and all that stuff. Uh, as a regular computer gamer, Solus and ClearOS are probably your best bets for a new distro to try. Ah, uh, running issues. The fourth night after I installed it, I ran updates, and the update manager took hours to complete looking for updates. I let it run overnight, it did finish up, and I did get the suggested updates installed with no further issues. In terms of boot time, it's the fastest boot of any distro I've tried except maybe MX. I could boot Solus three times in less time than it takes to boot Linux Mint on my Matei on my machine. On my machine. Sadly, I did not write down my memory use. I'm going to have to fill that in on the show notes later. I apologize for that. Ease of finding help. After getting help from the user forum, I got Softmaker Office installed. It took four to five days for the information I needed to to be presented in a way that I understood and could use. You might be easier to understand. You might have better understanding. I am autistic. I do read things the wrong way and say things the wrong way. I might not have been expressing myself right or understanding their response right, however that means. After help from Tony Hughes here, I got the Snap Store installed and enabled I did that to get WireGuard uh, installed, which is a step towards installing Mulvad VPN. But I could not get the Snap Store to run. I posted the issue to the Solus forum on the 7th of April at 6 o'clock a.m. I got an answer within six minutes, but the answer was that Snap Store does not run in the current version of Solus, but it will, quote, soon, end quote. And you have to go online to... Uh, HTTPS snapcraft.io slash store to use the Snap Store, but it does run, it installs directly from the Snap Store if you do that. Options to install using a software center if snaps are installed, which I could not find anywhere to enable installing snaps, or the terminal using the supplied command. For WireGuard, it was sudo snap install wireguard-ammp at this point, I have two users telling me to run a command to convert an unnamed file to install Molved. They're both calling me stupid and telling, me, telling each other that I must be a troll, but neither one told me what file to run that command on. Again, it could be my lack of understanding. It must be said that prior to this point, I was getting a good amount of attention and help, and that other users saw this exchange differently than I did. One of Mintcast listeners commented, was reading it on the uh, Solus forum, and he said that I was getting a good deal of help and did not understand what I was upset about, and I'm sorry for that. So, the bottom line is, use Solus if you like LibreOffice or are a gamer. If you need a printer, make sure it's on the currently covered list. If you need a VPN, better hope it's one that everyone likes. I'm sure it's easy to get uh, PIA. Uh, or VPN or one of the better-known VPNs running. Apparently, Mulvat is not in that list for whatever reason. I don't feel I should have to change my preferred software to use a distro. I built these preferences over years. I should not take abuse from the user forum, no matter how stupid I may be. I did thank each one who did help me, and I thought that would get them to see I was not a troll. But in my experience, some Solus users are not nice these days, and that is a big zero in the help department. Plays nice with others. Grub Customizer is available in the repo. I experienced no problems with Solus rewriting my Grub after setup. I remember with one distro that I had uh, Grub Customizer in, after it did some updates to Grub, it rewrote the Grub again, and I had to go back and use Grub Customizer repeatedly. Um... That is to say, whenever it did those changes to Grub, which was only when it did an update to Grub. I'm starting to lose my clarity here. I hope you're understanding me well. Stability. I had zero problems with stability after that one update issue. Previous experience says it should be as solid as anything can be. Similar distros to check out. Maybe Manjaro? Can you think of anything, Tony?
2: I can't think of a – because Solus, it's written from the ground up, so it's a totally different distro to anything else. I don't even know if there's anything using it as a base. So uh, basically, um, Solus is is an animal in its own right, uh, like Debian and, you know, some of the other early distros – because all the code's been written from the ground up?
0: Maybe Sabayon since it uh, is about the only user-friendly version of Gentoo that exists on the market, so it is as (laughs) good as a (laughs) self-spun distro like this.
2: Yeah, possibly, yeah.
0: Okay, my ratings, ease of installation, 9 out of 10. I don't give out 10 out of 10 unless you happen to uh, very well implement the Calamaris installer. I am stuffy that way. Calamaris is the ultimate installer in my book. Uh, Hardware issues, 9 out of 10. Ease of finding help, the community and web. I told you why. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10, not a 0. I should probably give it as high as a 4. But if you run into a problem and you don't understand it, I did not get the idea that people liked to help. And that's a big minus for me. Ease of use, 9 out of 10. As long as you've got everything you need, It'll work. Plays nice with others, 8 out of 10. Stability, 9 out of 10. I guess it's as stable as anything. Maybe not Debian, since there's, since it is homespun, and you don't know if they find something that they missed. So that's the end of our reviews of what we did this month. Maybe we'll do better next month.
2: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think.
0: Our next show will be recorded on May 29th, 2019. Visit our website at distrohopdigest.com. And we haven't finished writing it yet, so be patient with us. You can follow us on Miwi, Discord, and Telegram at our Mintcast groups. And right now, that's about it. Um... You can email me at moss at mintcast dot org. Tony, you're at
2: I'm at th at mintcast dot org or you can get did you mention the distrohoppers at gmail?
0: Yes, I, well no I didn't. Distrohoppers at gmail dot com. Boy, we need to rewrite our notes here.
2: No, you've got it in the notes.
0: Not in this section, I don't. <laughs> if any of our listeners have suggestions for our music or transitions or which distros you'd like to see us try, please contact us. We can be contacted at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. There it is. I didn't forget it.
2: I told you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a laugh. Just to say, uh, folks, for those of you who may know us from our experience on MinkCast, one of the MinkCast listeners, uh, Jackie Moore, has uh, written to uh, MinkCast and we feel that we'd like to read this out. Everyone that is a MinkCast listener is aware of Moss's difficulty of late. I've started a GoFundMe to help Moss go to self. And there's a link for the uh, self uh, page in that. And that's in Charlotte in North Carolina to donate please go to GrowMoss uh, Growmos at Southeast Linux Fest this can be our best way uh, best way of saying thank you for doing Mintcast at Distro and Distrohopper's digest so there's a link to that uh, page in that little bit of text that Jackie sent. Thank so you, if anyone Tony. wants to help Moss go to Southeast Linux Fest and maybe record a few interviews and get to meet some of the other podcast guys that are going, we all know that uh, there's going to be quite a few podcasters uh, attending Southeast Linux Fest this year, so Moss the hopefully the whole will destination get
0: Linux crew will be there.
2: Yay! And I'm sure there'll be a few others as well. So you'll get to meet some great people if you get there. So if you want to help Moss get there, head on over to that um, GoFundMe site and uh, drop him a couple of books just to help him on his way.
0: Before we go. We would like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with Hacker Public Radio, and they're allowing us to use their Mumble server. Archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program. Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show.
2: All those who work on the teams which, we are, uh, which are creating, adapting, and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Midair Machines, creators of the song Streaks of Santivo. Ti- used as our music under creative commons license, and YouTube sound effects library for the aggressive motorcycle, used for our transitions. Thanks to Linux Tool for the kernel, Richard Stolman for the GNU Q- toolkit, and for all those who have worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libra software.
0: And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their channel for distribution of our first episode. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening, and we look forward to hearing you respond.